admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bond Backwards with the Holmes Movies podcast team. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined by Holmes, Adam Holmes, over Skype in America. Hello. How are you? That was my bad Christopher Walken. (laughs) You amuse me, Mr. Bond. (laughs) It's It's nice to be on the podcast. Well, I I enjoy being on the podcast as well. I, I'm delighted that we've finally uh, gone into the sewage hole that is uh, the Roger Moore era. I can't do Roger Moore. What's a sewage hole? What am I talking about? What is a sewage um, hole? I've never a hole is a sewage is, is sewage is in a hole. Well, it could be in a pipe. Um, yeah. I don't know. In any case, there's a lot of sewage in the Roger Moore era. There's a lot of shit to tunnel through. I mean, it, it's it's hard to like shit on these movies, but without sort of feeling like, oh, I mean, Roger Moore, he's passed away, and uh, we have to. I mean, rest- we're not, we're not, we're not. Look, 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 look. We're not dissing Roger Moore. Roger Moore is one of the good guys. Yeah. Roger Moore was an amazingly charming, sweet man who, uh, you know, we don't know everything that he did in his life, but he was a, he did a lot of stuff for charity. He was he was elegant. He was. Um, you know, a little bit camp, um, a lot of fun to, in interviews. Like, no, it's no disrespect to him at all. Um, but, um, you know, let's be honest. He he ain't he ain't Connery. No, well, he, ain't, he ain't Dalton or Craig, Craig or for that matter. He, he might be. Really... Un- unfortunately, like, Lazenby... I feel like Lazenby is just a poor, hapless guy. We'll talk about Lazenby a lot. Yeah, I feel I like think Lazenby, that, that, the Honor Majesty's Secret Service podcast, I think we really need to give a lot of time to because yeah, that's a big film. There's a um, lot There's a lot to unpack with On Her Majesty's, uh, on Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is that I feel like Connery gets Bond. Connery is Bond in many ways still. Um, yeah. Craig gets Bond. Dalton gets Bond. There are ways I think that Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan seem to get part of Bond, but not the whole picture. 
And yeah. um, I know that, you know, I'm down on Pierce Brosnan in ways that, um, you know, millennials or whoever likes Pierce Brosnan might not be into, but like, um, I just don't believe he's a true representation of the character, even as that character is supposed to appear in those movies. Like, he's just too thick. Um, so, um, anyway, but that we've talked about him, but, um, but yeah, Roger Moore, like, what is there to say about Roger Moore? Like, he was a, he was a, he, he was, you know, one, he was an, in films before any of the Bond movies, really, before yeah, any of I the mean, Bond actors, really before Connery. I mean, he's the he was, he was in, in his, movies in the 1940s, for God's sake. Yeah, he was in his mid-40s when he did Live and Let Die, and by the time he did A View to a Kill, he was... It was 97. Yeah, I think, like, <laughs> it's weird, because watch, I watched all of the Bond movies recently, and seeing, like from for your eyes only to like a view to a kill like in between for your eyes only and a view to a kill roger moore ages quite drastically and i think that's sort of what people took a bit of umbrage with this film in particular not i mean i don't know i think this film a view to a kill which was the last film that he ever did and also i think he talks about in his biography he was a bit unhappy with the production and (laughs) Adam is sneezing. <laughs> he just muted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you tried to keep it together. No, I, didn't have, I shouldn't have kept it's the just, video on. It, it just—it's like—it's like the—it's like, the, like scenes in films where like someone's having a conversation and then like in the next room in silence, like someone's having like a scuffle or a fight or something. That's literally what that that looked like. You just drew. sorry. Wow. Okay. Um, I forgot no, what so I'm. You were talking. Okay. Look. There's nothing wrong with getting old, okay? Unless it means that you start watching more Fox News and becoming a reactionary old git. But, like, the, generally speaking, age is something that happens to us all. Um, yes. You know, it, 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 it's fine. It, it's just that it should have been clear. It should have been clear to people. There is a tipping point, you know, and there is a certain point where makeup and costuming and the camera angles can't hide it anymore. And that point was reached in Octopussy comfortably yes. as you say so I, why the hell did they cast roger moore in this movie and what you know because the other thing about this film should we talk about let's talk about the film actually because like view to a kill seems to be wanting to be different from other roger from at least from octopussy which is a exploding clown car of a movie um, well he dresses up like a will, clown in the film <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, it is literally a circus. Well, and I mean, a circus here's the, the thing about A View to a Kill. It's a, it's a very strange film, and I even found the film to be very strange when I watched it as, as a younger person, as a child. Because it has these moments that are filled throughout Roger Moore's movies. It has these very weird, slapsticky bits of comedy, but yeah. it doesn't quite mesh with the very jarring violence that's in the film. It it's quite they were le- like they sort of upped the violence a little bit and sort of, you know, paved the way for Timothy Dalton's Bond. It just didn't right. fit with with the the style of Roger Moore. I mean, even when they were shooting For Your Eyes Only, there's a scene where Roger Moore was like, you know, I I can see why this is the sort of thing James Bond would do, but this is not something that my James Bond would do. And you know, even he he said in his in, in his autobiography, he was like he was quite against this movie a little bit when it came out. He was like all these all these violent scenes, and it was like 
you know, th- this is this is what he said. I was like, I was horrified on the last Bond I did. Whole slews of sequences where Christopher Walken was machine gunning hundreds of people. I said that wasn't Bond. Those weren't Bond films. It stopped being what they were all about. You didn't dwell on the blood and the brains spewing all over the place. So I think that's kind of where they sort of tried two different things at once and they didn't quite mix well together. Also, it is quite a boring film. Like they have been so boring. Fuck me. It is so fucking boring this movie. Jesus Christ. I mean, Die Another Day is a bad James Bond film, but it's not boring. Yeah, it is in its own way. It's but it's at least you can kind of watch it and heckle it. But like this is just dull. And the um it's also like there's no you know, chemistry between him and Christopher Walken. It's like Christopher Walken no, feels like he's chemistry. at a, I mean I mean what did you say? Christopher Walken. I mean just Christopher Walken just feels like he's in a different film and also like Tanya Roberts who plays Stacy Susson who's the bon- worst worst Bond girl. She was like this was a, like okay, Bond girl is a problematic term. Okay? Yeah. We understand that. So just agree, let's just see Bond sexism. We see it, we see it there. She's the worst Bond girl. Yeah, she shit. She has absolutely no chemistry with Roger Moore, and this was like she kind of used this to be like her she sort of have any chemistry with anything anywhere in this movie. But you know, you know the scene in the film where they that where they sort of infiltrate into the mines, and she's wearing her high heels. But they call it a mine. Uh, yes. A mine. <laughs> it's not a mine. It's a tomb. Um, no. I don't... Sorry, I just. John Reese Davis there for a you second. Just, you just John Reese Davis all over my Hello Dougie, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Let them come. There's still a dwarf in Moria who breathes. <laughs> Whatever the line is. Who draws is. breath. Who you draws got the breath. quote wrong, and you need to stop. Um, so, where were yeah. we? No, oh yeah, like there was a scene, the scene where they go into the mine. In the mine. In the mine. In the mine. <laughs> oh, Jesus, we're never going to get through this podcast if this keeps happening. <laughs> So they go into the mine, and there's a scene where she's wearing her high heels, and there's a, a and there's like a little quip that Sir Roger Moore says. I'm just trying to find. Hey, Sir Roger Moore. Well, it's on IMDb. He's Sir Roger Moore. Yeah, well, IMDb can anyway. Yeah, it was like there was some sort of like because it's like there's okay, it's the scene when she's coming out and they're wearing the Silicon Valley overalls and they're trying to sort of blend in, and he says, "Pity you couldn't find one that fits." And she gives him kind of like a <laughs> look. And this was actually not in the script. Roger Moore actually adlibbed this bit. And because she refused to film the scene until the wardrobe department made, like, you know, custom fitted overalls that would look flattering on her. And because, you know, she was very difficult to work with, John Glenn just basically had to leave all that stuff in and, uh, you know, adhere to all that. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a film where anyone's having a particularly good time. Um, but even so, like Roger Moore and like Grace Jones didn't get along at all. Well, that's hardly so. I mean, like he's. I want to talk about Grace Jones and I want to talk about Patrick McNee because to me, and I want to talk about Christopher Walken. There are three people in this film who I think are abused terribly. Yeah, um, Mayday is the best character in this film and the, and the most enduring character. Um, she's a great Bond henchman. And she's wasted on this movie. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with her character. There's nothing wrong with her performance. It's a great piece of James Bond stunt casting. It's a great, um, 
you know, uh, it's a great character. She plays it to the hilt. It embraces all of like Grace Jones's weirdness. It's also fucking fantastic in the 1980s to have, um, you know, finally a decent uh, like character who's a woman of color in the James Bond fran- franchise. And um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so she's great and, the, and wonderful, and I really like her the way. I actually really like the way that her whole story is done. It's just such a shame it has to happen in this film. Um, Christopher Walken. What a waste. What a terrible waste. I wish he could have come back in the mid-90s and done uh, a Bond villain performance when he was a bit older. In fact, he could still do it now. He probably couldn't come back as a villain. He should come back as a twinkly like ally. He could be um, like a CIA agent, like yeah, retired um, CIA agent or something like I'm that. I'm in the CIA. <sighs> no, wait, that was I got it a minute ago. Oh, anyway. Um, and then Patrick McNee. Now, I love that they get Patrick McNee because he's in the Avengers, which is like the sort of TV cousin of James Bond. And it's all about the sixties and, and, you know, Britain in the sixties. And I love that callback. He gets to play a really fun character, but the problem with having Patrick McNee, McNee in this film and putting him alongside Roger Moore is it just looks like two old guys trying to solve crimes, which is what it is. It's two dead it would be fine if it was like Patrick McNee was the Obi-Wan Kenobi to a younger Bond. Like Patrick yeah. McNee and Timothy Dalton, that would work. Patrick McNee and Connery, if that worked in some kind of parallel universe, would work. Or Daniel Craig, you know. But having him play basically opposite his analog in Roger Moore, like they're the same. You know, it's they're like the watching, same it's person. Like, they're, just a, they're just a bumbly old dude. It's like watching two old guys try... It's basically like... It's like Robert De Niro and Al Pacino without the de-aging, with in the yeah, irishman com- completely completely and um and it's and it, so it just doesn't work and so i just think there's a huge waste of, of of um of talent that goes on and i think one of the the problems that that we have in this film apart from what's her name um tanya roberts terrible bond girl you know is the fact that the, the 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 crippling sort of thing at the heart of this film apart from the fact that it's a stupid story is that, which but that's never stopped bond films before is that roger morris shouldn't be in the movie and that's no disrespect to him, but it's like he is too old. He's too old, too old to begin the training. Well, and, I think, uh, I think even, I think it was even around Moonraker, in between Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only, because there was like a big, I think it was like three or four year gap between those films where they they weren't quite sure if if he was going to come back because they were looking at other actors, even like Pierce Brosnan and Timothy Dalton or other people as well. So they did bring him back for three more movies. And I think watching Views Were Kill recently, and this is meant as no disrespect to roger moore at all he did very much overstay his welcome as james bond and i feel like in this sort of era in the 80s they probably needed someone a bit younger because they were going for i mean they did use duran duran for the theme and the theme is really yeah. good yeah it's good and, theme, they, yeah. and they were trying to go for they were trying to like mix in the mtv style that was kind of going on at the time and it just didn't really work the fact that roger because roger moore was in the movie roger moore fundamentally is an actor from the 1960s you know he's he's known for the saint and he's known for uh the persuaders with with uh, tony curtis you know and it's like he's he's good at like camp you know 60s kind of stuff and that's why he gets into the bond franchise the thing about bond actors is to, to play the role in the first film you can't be some kid you need to be at least in your 30s you need to look like you've been around the block a little bit and um you know you need to have a kind of ruggedness to you which comes with a more mature actor so look at uh, craig in casino royale connery and dr no those are your like classic models right or even uh, dalton in in uh, uh, living daylights 
Roger Moore is the perfect age in Live and Let Die. He's you know older and more mature than he was when he was a fresh-faced kid in the 1950s. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. But this is why I don't think actors should be playing the part 15 years later. Because if you get cast when you're in your 30s, or you say you're 35, in, in 15 years you're going to be you know, 50-odd. And, well, and I mean, so that's... he starts, his first film is in 1973, you know, 12 years later, and he's already getting on a bit at that point. You know, yeah. it's like he should never have stayed beyond the three or four pictures, uh, and they should have moved on. And this is the, the problem. They, the Bond franchise again and again and again doesn't know when to stop and doesn't know when to just drop it. And, and they keep painting themselves into a corner where they have to do this huge sea change in order to keep the franchise alive well they've Whereas done if they, they just did... had a little bit of like succession planning and a little bit more foresight and a little bit of an understanding that the audience will forgive people in like the part changing yeah you know, once they did it once you could just keep doing you don't have to do a different bond every film but do a bond you know do two or three in a row with one actor and then let them move on i mean craig should have gone after skyfall right yeah i mean yeah. he even i mean it's a i mean I mean, looking back at like, you could kind of see. I mean, we're. I'm sort of going a little bit ahead, a little bit. But if you look at like Connery in You Only Live Twice, he does seem like he's got one foot out the door in that film. Oh, he has no interest anymore. Like he yeah. he wants to be somewhere else, and he was just like. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But, yeah. But but yeah, like, as I say, like that's not Connery should have gone after Thunderball. Yeah. Roger Moore should have gone after. For your eyes only, or probably after the spy who loved me, but whatever. Um, Would have avoided Moonraker, but we'll get on to that. Timothy Dalton, you know, it's a shame he didn't get to do more films, but he left at the right time. And Pierce Brosnan should never have been cast. And Craig <laughs> should have gone after. Um, uh, Craig should have been out of it after um, Skyfall. Right, Skyfall. So, you know, but, it, I... but it's just like, the the franchise is so conservative. It's yeah. so resistant to change but it keeps trying to be cool and relevant like some dorky dad at a barbecue and this is what this film like so the beginning the pre-credit sequence does anyone really need like this yeah when he like... starts snowboarding <laughs> and I mean, then the beach boys just randomly start playing it's so lame it's so fucking lame no one is listening to the beach boys in 1985 <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I, they played Live Aid. I get that, but like, no, no one. Like, come on. No, I, 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 I literally forgot that that was actually in the film, and I was watching it, going like, "Is that the what?" And he's this like, "This is a feature. This is a recurring feature of the Roger Moore movies, using uh, sound effects or pieces of music from uh, other films uh, yeah. as like a reference. It's insane. It's it's jumping the shark like." it's it's beyond jumping the shark it's beyond breaking the fourth wall um, I, yeah i mean just going back to what you were saying before because they you know they didn't they with a lot of roger moore's movies they did they got they like you said they did put themselves into a hole but then they sort of went back and you know tried like you know when the response to each film's got like man with a golden gun that was quite negatively negatively received and then they did The Spy Who Loved Me. But then they fucked it up when they did Moonraker. And then they had to go back and do it again with Four Your Eyes Only, which was successful and more well-received. But then they shot themselves in the foot with Octopussy and then A View to a Kill. So it was like they didn't... They just... they When they... They should have just carried on with what worked with, with those two films. And Four Your Eyes Only and The Spy Who Loved Me were, the, were those two films that Roger Moore actually enjoyed doing. And yeah. his best 
actually those are the two films where i would say those are his best like performances yeah, as Bond. agreed 100 as, and i actually think spy who loved me is one of the best Bond movies but we'll get we'll get yeah. to that um now um should we do should we actually talk about this film should we do some of our fun features yeah i mean my favorite scene in the film i i i, I don't know it's hard to say really because there's a like uh i do kind of like the fight sequence on the golden gate bridge at the end because it adds a little bit of vertigo aspect to it which i quite like yeah but the problem is it's it's impossible to believe that that roger moore is doing that and and the 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 special effects aren't good enough yeah it's a good idea but and the airship is cool but it's just not it i don't know it feels like the end of like a bad spielberg movie or something you just don't care like you just don't you don't feel invested at that point um it, again, it's just like it's an idea that should have been in a different Bond movie. Would but you... I'm, not, I'm just saying that's a bad. Like I'm just my. I weirdly enough, like I think one of the best scenes for me is the it's it's stuff with Mayday. Like I'd really like yeah. the fight sequence between her and Christopher Walken, the the like where they're training. Yeah, that's a um, good bit. I like there's that. so much kind of like weird sort of odd like <laughs> offbeat kind of eroticism in that scene, but also genuine sort of violence and it's it's a little bit of a precursor to good old Xenia on the top or whatever yeah um, but without the histrionics um that's that's a cool bit sets her up as a real sets them both up as kind of creepy and and um uh upsetting yeah. figures the problem is they didn't really follow through on it because then they she switches sides randomly at the end of the movie and then she sacrifices herself which is weird well the thing is i don't mind that she does that it's the problem is we've already had that once with jaws yeah so we've already done that in a in a in a roger moore movie it's like they can't they actually literally can't bear to like kill their darlings even though she does die but you know what i mean like they they can't dispatch these villains they have to turn them into like cartoon characters um which is why you know spy lovely works but moonraker is terrible um or not you know but we'll as i say we'll get to many it. more of these to do uh so yeah i think those i think that's my favorite scene just it's a small scene but i think it really it's it's what it's supposed to be there it's supposed to be in a bond movie what do you think about the paris sequence because that's okay but then when it gets to him getting in the car and then every time he like hits something the car just like breaks like a toy yeah it's idiotic uh the uh the assassination is is completely stupid with the poison butterfly thing on a fishing rod like yeah what, what is that um and um although it's it's like weird and funny and grace jonesy in its own way uh but the chase up the eiffel tower i mean that's that has to be done so that's kind of cool but the car chase is lame and stupid yeah who who would you recast in the film uh roger moore <laughs> <laughs> apart from roger moore who would you recast okay uh let's see then i would recast uh probably tanya roberts to be honest because she is rubbish um, yeah you know what Alison Doody. It's really nice to see Alison Doody in this. Um, I didn't even know she was in the movie. I was very surprised. Yeah, uh, playing Jenny Flex. Um, so I might just promote her. And um, but but I suppose if I was uh, but I was re if I was recasting someone who's good at this time. Actually, you know who what I do? American actress, blonde, and you need someone like that. Just put Kim Basinger in it. I mean, I know she did Never Say Never Again, but if yeah. Ted Davis and Ever Again doesn't exist, put put Ken Bassinger or uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in that role. Yeah, I could definitely see Michelle Pfeiffer playing that role. And she would actually do that role 
she would actually do well in that. I mean, based off her performance well, in Scarface. She can act on like yeah. bloody Tony Roberts. She could easily be like, just that scene in when she rejects Al Pacino and the nightclub sequence, that easily could be, you know, her rejecting James Bond in this movie. Like, get away from me, old man. We're not going to have sex. Get away from me. Yes. Uh, There's I, the person that I would recast if, like, I mean, I like Christopher Walken. I don't, I, I do feel like he doesn't quite work as a Bond villain in some ways. Uh, yeah, I feel like he could have done it in a different movie. In you know? a different movie, yeah. But I think, I don't know, I'm just thinking, like, who who could have, who could play, like, Max Zorin in, in, a, in a, I don't know, I'm just thinking, oh, do you know who I think could, who could have done it okay, maybe? No. Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> yeah. I feel, yeah, yeah. That sort of weird, um, Germanic angle. I mean, it's a cool idea. This idea of like a, a weirdly genetically engineered Nazi experiment's gone wrong. Um, I don't know why they never really they they never they didn't seem to like adapt on that when they mentioned it. It was almost kind of like a throwaway bit of exposition and, and explaining a bit about the guy. What's his name? Doctor Mortner, played by uh, Willoughby Gray. But they didn't really adapt. I, I wish that was more more part of the film. I, I don't know. It just seems strange. Okay, so what is the uh, stupidest bit of the movie? Uh, I mean, take the pick. Maybe my stupidest bit in the film is the, the, from a scientific point of view, is the bit where he's breathing in the air from the tire underwater. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. I don't. Um, I think MythBusters are one of those people. They tried that and they were like, "Doesn't work." No, I mean, it's so crap. I mean, it's like, you need. What, doesn't he just have his rebreather? I mean, he brings that out in one of the Craig ones, doesn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's that's dumb. Um, I mean, the fire engine chase sequence. Oh, there's the only fire one en- movie, yeah. <laughs> it's there's so- only one film. That has a fire engine chase sequence, and that's Con Air. Oh, that's the only film that should have it. Um, you need you need John Cusack and Nick Cage to have a good fire engine chase sequence, and even that's and that's stupid. You like, ain't getting not... near my daughter. Buckle up. Jesus H Christ. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, so that's yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, and it was the last film that Lois Maxwell was in as Money Benny. That's oh, a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Talk about going out on a fucking low. Do you know, um, like someone, I think someone added up all her screen time in all of the films that she did. Do you know what it added up to? Like overall her screen time in all of the movies. Do you know what it was? Half an hour? One hour. Oh, okay. More than I thought. I think hey, she she's was... a treasure. She's a real treasure of the franchise. She was great. Okay. Um, have we done all our fun stuff? Oh, oh uh, favorite location. Where would you want to go? Paris. Yeah. Me too. Or maybe Max Zorin's little, like, palace in the middle of nowhere, wherever it is. Ugh, no, that's horrid. Um, isn't that, like, in the middle of the desert somewhere? No, it's no, it's not. It's that little, it's like that... Oh, w- I'm thinking about Moonraker. Sorry. No, not that. No, no, no. God, no. Um, well, it's San Francisco, I suppose. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Silicon Valley. It's nice. Well, I don't want Silicon Valley necessarily, but San Francisco is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Um, okay, actually, hang on a minute, because I've just remembered the title of the movie. One of the stupidest bits is when she says, what have you? And he goes, yeah, to a kill. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, it's like 
fucking hell, guys. <laughs> it's like that. No it's... Is, that is not a phrase. No one <laughs> says that. Not even like weird psycho Nazi orphan genetic experiments say that. <laughs> it's like that. There was that meat. There's like that. Like there's this Im- that on online. There's been like this sort of craze that started out with like there's a bit in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where Leonardo DiCaprio is like pointing. And it's yes, like, yes, yes. And don't talk to me like I'm 85. I'm familiar with the meme. Yeah. Okay. So it's like I would use that meme every time when someone says the Bond title in the film. I'd be like, oh, there yeah. they go. Yeah. I scared the living daylight out of it. Um, Code name Thunderball. Yeah. That's right. Bernard Lee is the only person who's allowed to say the title of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right then. Well, um, let's get out of here and then we get to talk about Octopussy next time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be a very interesting one. Oh, God, there's so much to talk about in that movie. From an all-time high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that concludes another episode of Bond Backwards. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We have been ranting about <laughs> A View to a Kill. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's going to be a lot more of this in this sort of part of the episodes. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. Yeah, You amuse me, Mr. Bond. The feeling isn't... <laughs> You're so much better at it than me. I wish I could do it better, Christopher Walken. It's like, he says, you amuse me, Mr. Bond. And he's like, the feeling isn't mutual. Yeah, shut up, Roger. We love you really, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, get out of here, you, but know that I love you. Well, yeah. But, uh, yep, yeah, well... Stay tuned for next time where we get on to talking about Octopussy. Have a good day. Stinging in the rain. That's not funny, 007. Where's your butler friend? Oh, he blew a fuse. Shocking. Where's Drax? Oh, he had to fly. Positively shocking. You missed Mr. Bond. I think he got the point. Right idea, Mr. Bond. But wrong pussy. You're not thinking that. I sure am, boy. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. It's a Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. Mm-hmm.